0: From Welcome to Series 2 of Postcards from the Edge, a podcast where every week I'll be Zooming, is that a word, with some amazing guests to chat about life, love, family, and all the other little things that basically drive them and me to the edge. But more importantly, we'll be chatting to them about their coping mechanisms and how they de-stress, unwind, and learn to take life a little bit less seriously. We all know that I definitely need help in that category. So without further ado, let's get straight to it, shall we? This week on Postcards from the Edge, my guest is the fabulous Ella Mills. But you might know her better as the food and wellness entrepreneur and all-around superwoman, Deliciously Ella. What a name like Deliciously Ida, by the way. Ella and I sat down to have a chat about her journeys into motherhood and beyond, how her business and home life survived a pandemic, and a whole host of other challenges. It's one you definitely don't want to miss. Here it is. Promises to be juicy and gluten-free. How did you, like, I mean, because this kind of touches on, because the idea of this came in, in the pandemic about kind of what do we do when we're taken to the edge? Because I think like in the pandemic, we all in different ways were emotionally and physically taken to our edge. And I was thinking about it, like when you were just 21 years old or 20 years old, you were taken to the edge in a different way and couldn't do the things that kind of help us now to navigate when it comes to working out necessarily and the self-care that we do with that. Like, how did you navigate that then? That
1: was Probably the thing that I found most difficult when I was ill was exactly that. Like, I've always been in that mindset that there's a problem and you want to find the solution. I like, really try and think like that. And I think the thing that was so difficult is it felt like there were no so no solutions because I was so sick, I could barely do anything. And so you couldn't just go out and get fresh air. You couldn't just go out and go for a walk. You couldn't try this. You couldn't try that. You couldn't use exercise. Um, I kind of barely had the energy to have a functioning conversation with someone, and I think that was the thing that really probably did take me to my edge was realizing like everything that I'd taken for granted my whole life, all those things that you just routinely do and you look forward to, whether it's time with friends, walks outside, those simple everyday pleasures, they weren't there anymore and they weren't pleasures because they were so difficult even if I could do them. And trying to reimagine your life in such a small way was a really extraordinary
0: emotional experience. Totally. It's like, I've noticed with these health things, because for me, it's been, yes, scary and humbling about how uh, vulnerable we are. And we, you know, it's like, just like you, it's like kind of, you don't realize that you only have one vehicle till that vehicle is not working and you can feel a bit trapped in yourself and scared about what life looks like if this is what your normal is. Um, And I think in some ways, I guess COVID has done that too, in a way it's like, well, this new normal, what, what if we can't break out of this new normal? What if this is what we're stuck with as our reality? And there's this like real, there's like real frustration and need to fight against that. And then How do you find the surrender within that to create the space that's wellness or something that makes you feel good or or human or vital again? How did you how did you find that space? I think it's
1: one of those phrases that can sound a bit cheesy, Connor, and it took me a long time to get there, but I think it was about internalizing the solution. Because I think certainly if I, if I look back at my life before that, it was always so easy to say it was someone else's fault. And I, I think it's probably human nature to think like that. But when I was ill, I really felt, okay, well, initially I remember I was thrilled when I got my diagnosis. I was diagnosed, so after spending about four or five months in that hospital, I'd had every test known to man. I spent 10 days in one hospital having like three or four tests a day. I'd had MRIs, colonoscopies, endoscopies, ultrasounds, you name it, I'd had it. And I finally got a diagnosis and it was a diagnosis of something, which obviously, you know, you know, well, but it's something that's impairing the functioning of your autonomic nervous system. Like it's something that's really quite serious in that way. And I was so thrilled because I just thought, oh, well, someone can fix me now. Someone's just going to give me a pill, just like i had had tonsillitis. And that was going to be that. I was just going to be fine. And I would just go along on my way and I wouldn't have to do anything to some extent and then i started taking beta-blockers and steroids and antacids and yeah i was 21 and on all sorts of medication and it didn't work and i was so kind of distraught about the fact that the solutions that i always assumed were out there and that other people could somehow give to me to some extent they they just weren't there and they just didn't work and i remember so vividly i think it will stay with me forever being on the floor of my university bedroom you know, inconsolably crying. I looked more pregnant because I had so many stomach problems at that point than I did when I was almost eight months pregnant with my first daughter. I could literally hadn't left the house in days. I was so desolate. I was in such a bad way. And I was in absolutely inconsolable tears to the doctor because he said, I don't have any more medication that I can give you. He just tried <laughs> a medication that was like attached to my stomach and would inject me and that hadn't worked. And that, you know, I was desperate for anything to work and did not matter what it was. But he was like, I don't have anything else for you. And I just remember being so devastated by the fact that there were no solutions left. And it was at that point, I think that I realized like, Okay, nobody else has any solutions for me, but maybe I need to find some solutions for myself. And I don't want to oversimplify life so complicated and has so many nuances and now physical and mental health absolutely comes with that. But I think what was interesting was up until that point, I didn't really feel any
0: of the responsibility lay with me. Right, right. It was all external, like someone was going to deliver the answer for you and exactly. it was just going to go away. Exactly.
1: And I think that was just a big lesson in my life because I feel... I've kind of come back to that many times. And like you said, when COVID hit, so when COVID hit, you know, from a business perspective, my husband and I run a company together it's the kind of 80% of our company is food products that we sell right we I mean I buy them by right. the way
0: buy them love them thank all you of, all of it
1: <laughs> but like we were supplied Costa and Starbucks and places like that and they closed overnight so we had you know hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of stock with no home nowhere to go like from a business perspective it looked really difficult you know we got a mortgage against our house on the business like that was very stressful we had a Eight month old baby, I was nine weeks pregnant with our second Ugh. baby. Oh my god, um, you know, that was a lot that's going like intense.
0: On. That's yeah, that's it intense. Was super
1: intense. And I remember coming back to that same thing, I was like, This is so far out of my control. There is nothing that I can do, or any of us can do, about any of this really. But what I can do is come back to finding my own solutions. And what can I do? Like, I can meditate, I can do yoga, no one's taken away those things from me I can make the choice to go and do those things that change my mental space and I think that's what I come back to every time it's like it's so 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 easy to kind of project to shift it
0: outside it's
1: so yeah and look look for solutions whether that's for our happiness for our health into other people and you know I'll be happy when I achieve this or when this person does this or you know whenever this happens and instead saying like, okay, I can choose right now myself how to view a situation and why do with it.
0: Easier said than
1: done. Totally. I think that's <laughs> been
0: my biggest. But it's so good. It's yeah. uh, that's your t- biggest takeaway. Cause I was going to ask like, yeah, like how did it kind of shift for you? Because you have that, you had that kind of aha moment when you were so young, cause you were kind of like forced into this enlightenment discovery about what you needed from yourself as opposed to externally. And then like, Now with these different stressors, being a mom, being a business owner, like all the things you were talking about is like, you know, the emergence of COVID and what that did and like how you came back to that. And like, it's amazing that you were able to come right back into that. Cause I think most people like myself included, like just flailed for quite some time. Do you know what I mean? And free And like the thing that you're just talking about right now, about taking ownership and control of your of your, of your environment in a way when other things are non controllable is so cool. I'm like, just sitting here, I'm like, I'm so glad she said that. Cause right now I feel like, yeah, I've got this, you know, the pops is happening. I've got this hip injury and I've been kind of feeling a bit hopeless, not hopeless. I shouldn't say that, but, but down depressed, whatever you want to say about not being able to like the things that I would go to, to do yoga, to make myself feel better or a walk I can't do, you know? And it's like, I've been feeling a bit like, I guess it's like a bit victimy in my head about like, well, why me? And I can't, and you know, and actually just hearing that in that moment, for me at least, I'm sure people who are listening right now will find that really empowering because that was like a good little, that was like a good little like Ella kick to me to go like, get out of it, do it, find something, control your environment, something that makes you, you know, it's like I don't have to hand it out, like give away. It's like, it's like kind of like relationships, isn't it? Totally. You, and, you know, My biggest learner for that though,
1: was it's something like I really consciously worked on because it changes totally the way that I feel and, and therefore my happiness levels. But the biggest lesson I had with that was so interesting. Well, no, it's a weird word to use for the case, but, um, enlightening was my mother-in-law passed away a few years ago from brain cancer and she was really fit and really healthy, looking forward to her 70th birthday could do headstands and yoga like she was so well thriving career and out of nowhere she had these huge seizures ended up in hospital and a week later was diagnosed with a brain cancer and told she had you know tops a year to live and my husband is so so close with his family and it obviously like shook everyone to their absolute core and this is a also a type of cancer that's had almost no um kind of uh breakthroughs right. the last 20 years yeah so so it the, you know you knew what was always- yeah. The, re- yeah, the reality was was stark, um, even at times when you're trying to be hopeful. And it was a week later, and we were out there at their my husband's parents' house in the countryside. And my little niece was there. She was about three months old at that point. She was her first grandchild. Aww. And it was a beautiful, beautiful May Day. It was my sister-in-law's birthday, and we had all been in their garden all day, and we had you know, I had sat there all day feeling so heavy, so sad, so broken, so devastated. And I didn't really feel anyone else was feeling that. Um, So you just sort of go with it. And we got to the end of the day and Tessa, my mother-in-law said, you know, wasn't that a really perfect day? Like how lucky are we to have a day like this together? And she meant it. She meant it so much. And she was like that throughout her whole illness. It wasn't, it wasn't putting on a brave face. It was no, it wasn't. But it was choosing to see like today is like that perfect English country summer day. It is so beautiful. I'm here with the people I love the most. Like I'm here with my granddaughter. She was playing, you know, in a paddling pool. It was very, very sweet. And that's how she chose to see that day. And it just like, you know, you have those moments in your life and they stay with you forever. And I just thought, well, yeah. if she can choose to see the day like that, then why on earth can't I? <sighs>
0: Literally just teared up with that. I've literally just teared up with that story. It's so true. It's, it's really, um, yeah, it's very, um, profound what you just said. And it's amazing, you know, that in the face of all of that, that she, she had the clear through line where she saw the beauty in her day and kind of cancel out the noise of all the fear and all the stuff that, you know, I mean, I feel like I get taken over the edge over silly things like a parking ticket do you know what i mean and then here you have this this woman in the face of this kind of jesting the beauty and being present in it and putting that lens on instead which is um yeah it's really good to hear that and i can see how that went in the snapshot in your brain because that's that's just an awesome moment and then one that you get to have forever do you know what i mean how do you um like yeah like how do you stay you know it's like you talk about Tessa, and what you went through when you were 21, and it's like, like we were talking about, it's so much easier in theory than in practice. How do you kind of, when you notice, like, how do you in that in that spot before you have that reawakening to those moments, and what's, how do you kind of get to that, or what is, what do you notice about yourself when you're not in that space? Do you know what I mean? Like when you've got you've got two young kids, so I mean, I know what that's like. Do you know what I mean? And they don't care if you're having a bad day or they don't care about debt or they don't care about, you know, work demands. How do you, what, what kind of, what do you notice about yourself when you're out of that zone? And then how do you kind of shift into that gear?
1: yeah well first of all I totally agree it's it's so much easier to say all of this than to do it and just like you said like I certainly have those moments where like those one little things like for me it's I don't know mess like when that you know yeah my kids are one and a half and two and a half and they'll just like take every single thing out of a cupboard and then they've wanted like nine different things for dinner and (laughs) yeah you know it's just like it's everywhere it's everywhere seven different teams of burglars just came in and like trashed your house, yeah, house yeah, yeah. on it. And yeah. then you've got someone calling you for work. I need your help. I need your help. And so that's There's like spaghetti you... sauce on the face. Yeah, There's exactly. Like a poopy nappy. Exactly. And someone's... Yeah. 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 You know, And the Wi-Fi keeps thing. cutting out. Yeah. And you've not washed your hair and all of it. Yeah. Like that takes yeah. me over yeah. the edge for sure. They're the, like utter chaos that life can be sometimes. But I think for me, I notice it because I go into chaotic mode. Like I right. notice it in myself where I become, it spirals. And I suddenly feel that chaos, like quite internally. Like this spin energy kind of. Exactly. And I feel like I always need something to break it. And once I've broken it, I'm like, why did I care so much? Like none of this matters. Um, but I can sometimes find that can go on for a few days and it is, it's like a kind of frenetic energy. And yes. I definitely, I feel like I definitely do that, um, a lot. And I, but I'm catching myself, I guess, more and more as I learn the patterns and like knowing right? like a walk, a yoga class, like just getting into bed early, like doing something that deliberately says, wait a second, like, this is not helping anybody. This is making you unhappy. This is not making you a better parent. Like that. And then I think it is, it's coming back to perspective. I think that's been my biggest thing is like realizing, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. Like what I'm doing doesn't actually matter. Like, yes, there's the reality of like putting like the bills, sorting out the bills and like, yeah, we've got 50 people whose jobs now depend on us. And there's a huge amount of pressure that can come for these things. But like in the end of the day, like nothing matters, like not really. And I think having children is really push that further and further into me. Like I got home this evening and I was racing home to get back for for this because our office is so noisy. And, you know, I saw my daughter, it's like she had these little bunches in and I was like, literally who cares? Like uh, honestly, nothing else matters.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's like, it is funny though, how we can run away with ourselves. I mean, being like you, I look at you and I'm like, you're so enlightened. Wow. You're so together. Like I, I kind of think, and it's not, it's not fair because obviously we're all humans, but you like kind of have this kind of like, oh my God, she's perfect vibe, which I know no one's perfect. <laughs> I'm Absolutely not. not perfect. By the way, I'm not labeling you with that. I know it's a complete fallacy. Perfection doesn't exist. You're human. I'm human. We all fall apart, but it's like, it's nice to hear like someone who I think is like, wow, she's just so together. She's, you know, she's a businesswoman. She's a mom. She's smart. She's, eats clean. She does yoga, like, you know, like to put people on pedestals and then realize, you know, like you too can run away with yourselves and you have those manic moments. And even with enlightenment, you kind of veer off course and, 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 and forget the tenets of your own kind of self-care. So 100%. It,
1: and I think for me, it has been learning tools to to come back to because I am such a believer in that. And I know it's like the most depressing concept to some, some degree, but I do think being happy feeling calm, having that sense. Like for me, certainly that takes a huge amount of work. Like I wouldn't say that's something that comes naturally to me.
0: See, and you look like I can't even hear it. You look completely like unfussed about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do this working moms. We can just go back to the basics.
1: For sure. And I think that is certainly what I've learned so far is like, as I, I think I was saying, like I've never, I wouldn't say I'm someone where being really happy comes naturally, like being really calm comes naturally. Like I'm a very emotional person. I feel everything quite deeply. I've certainly have struggled with self-esteem, et cetera, in the past. Like definitely it's been a journey to, to use that word. Um, whereas I feel like my husband, he is so calm, like his natural state is optimistic, calm it takes really, really a whirlwind to rattle him like an absolutely really?
0: like a full hurricane to rattle him really like yeah what's his okay absolutely. what's his star? because I was thinking about it. you and I are both may babies and yeah. I'm exactly like you I'm sensitive I feel everything I have so much self-doubt like it's been a journey to get here okay what is his star sign he's a Sagittarius oh, that's it my mom's a Sag. she's like that I always thought it's because she smoked a lot of weed in the 60s but actually <laughs> I think it might be because she's a sad. Yeah,
1: she's so, so kind of easy breezy. Like it really takes,
0: oh, it takes so much. So what, okay. Up. So that's my question. What takes him over the edge? <sighs> Not a lot, honestly. Like, really? Like, yeah. Like, like a pandemic, nothing. What, like, what's the nut? Like, you...
1: extraordinary work stress, but like okay. even then it's like few and far between, which is for, whereas Remarkable. for me, it takes like one tiny yeah. thing. Yeah, and I think it was almost that comparison actually of, of living with him that made me realize like, Hey, there's another way to live. Um, and it's real. Like you really can. <laughs> yeah. that. It's living, living right next to me. Totally. And you know, when you see someone like that all the time and, and his whole family are like that
0: wow. and,
1: and it was just a very, yeah, it was been a very so stable, it's so, just, stable. It's so stable, so stable. It's like the opposite of my entire side of the family but they, yeah, they, and they're all rubbed off on each other, I think. And then I, the more I got into kind of meditation and mindfulness as well, that was the second thing for me. And it was realizing that it was like, you're never going to control the world, but you can start to control your thoughts. And as I started to practice regularly, I didn't, I just really started to notice that ability to be like, okay, the world is chaos, but like, that's okay. It is a yeah, exactly, and it's like, and especially when you become a parent, right? Like, one moment will be the most blissful, sweetest, most extraordinary moment of your life,
0: and the next one will be <laughs> like horrendous. Know, yeah, just all like, 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 like they're like the meanest dictator ever, exactly. and you're their like abused citizen. Exactly, and yeah. like they've thrown up on you and
1: they've pooed on you, and yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, just you know, it's all going. Yeah. It's all
0: gone.
1: Like nothing, you know, nothing stays. And I guess it's the more, like the older I get, the more I realize that and the the more that's probably changed my outlook. And, and I, I don't think it's that I don't get frenetic and I don't go over the edge. I just feel like I'm able to come back from it because I feel like over the last 10 years, we've started a business. We've had two kids. My parents have got divorced. Uh, my dad's come out. My um my mother-in-law died like we've had a we've been through
0: the ring at many I mean months. I was I was and reading about some of that I was like whoa the yes. last 10 years there's there's been a lot it's been a decade and it's I feel a like decade.
1: you know it's almost obviously not, you know within reason obviously not not death but but bar like the more the things that stress you out every day you realize nothing's ever as bad as it seems like things come in and you're like we're out of business that's it like pack up and go and you and, and you're not like there's always a there's know, another there's a solution. There is a solution.
0: I remember once I was doing this yoga class, and I mean it sounds really trite, but at the same time it really stuck with me. And he was saying, he was saying, you realize that the sky is always blue. So even when there's a cloud or if there's a storm, and it's kind of that thing, it's like, you know, when you fly, you know, it's like often when I'm leaving England or coming back into England, it's like gray skies, but you actually go up into the sky and it's blue. So you realize that those clouds, that storm. It's not actually the reality. It's just something that's passing through. The reality is this infinite blue sky. And that kind of the visual of that stuck with me, that when some things are happening to me, if I'm able to lasso my thoughts, I go to that place of remembering that the sky is blue. It's not that this gray storm is is not permanent, but it's also not just, it's not the reality. The reality is it's always blue. Exactly. But that's also in between my kids shitting on me and screaming at me. And then, then this guy's gray. <laughs> this guy's exactly. gray when that's happening. How do, and that's how, okay too. That's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that, you know, dog poop and kid poop and vomit is, is a gray moment. It's, it's totally fine. What do you do? Like taking that in now, that was the other thing because I've also worked with my husband, not for such an extensive period when you guys work together and you feel things deeply and he's kind of steady Eddie, how does the, how does the work life balance happen? Like, does that ever take you over the edge in terms of if you're working these long hours together? You both are facing these pressures. He might handle situations differently from you. How do you, and then you come home and then you have two screaming kids that are tired and hungry and need you. Like, how do you balance that? And does that ever kind of take you over the edge? Or do you know what I mean? That dynamic. Do you know what? It actually does the opposite. I think because there
1: has been so much pressure and so much stress that you you're so in it, you know, there are moments at work where you're just, you're so deeply in it. And I don't, no, I I just can't for the life of me figure out how we would still, I, I think I would have been divorced four times over if it wasn't or and him the same, because if you didn't work together, if we didn't work together. That's so cool.
0: It's crazy. Yeah, that because,
1: well, we do such different things. I think that our skills are very, very separate from each other. So that makes it a bit easier. So I think that is really important. Like you've got to have autonomy so that you're both kind of independent and able to live and breathe and not just constantly like have like the one. lanes
0: merge and become this yeah kind of, and I yeah. think that was a big
1: learning in the early years and and that certainly had moments where like it sent you over the edge because it's just very difficult to know where you stand and and like navigating a professional and personal relationship at the same time but then I think for me you know there's times I don't know for example like our first wedding anniversary. We had booked a trip to Paris and we were getting the Eurostar and we were going for a romantic weekend. And then we were literally leaving the house to go to the station. And we get a call, and actually, we were launching our um cereal products into Tesco's supermarket in the UK. And um they changed the dates and suddenly we had to f- um, submit all the final line forms on the oh, line no. line. and <laughs> so we spend the weekend at a you know a porter cabin at a factory. Uh. Um, and you know we literally <laughs> cancelled it like three minutes notice, and we've done. I think we've now tallied. We've cancelled eighteen holidays 17 oh, in seventeen uh, in no. seven years. Wow. So it's an impressive feat. Like yeah, yeah that's, that's impressive. Had a day off since August, and I don't celebrate that because that's not a good thing either. But. Right. I just mean that I feel like there's this extraordinary compassion and standing for each other because you feel the same pressures and the same stresses. And, you know, we definitely will cycle through different moments where we're busier than each other. But at the same time, I feel like you really can have empathy for the other person. Because the other person's um,
0: going through kind of exactly the same thing at the same yeah, time.
1: Or if you're having like a really stressful period you want to help the other person because, you know, if we're our supply chains falling apart, like that's not on me. That's, you know, that's not, that's where his responsibilities are.
0: You know, I'm like, let me take the kids. Like you focus. You've got a real partner that understands exactly what's happening. Exactly. And otherwise I'd be like, well, no, I help me. Yeah. I've been with the kids all day. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Whereas I'm like, you know, we need,
1: we need each other to help each other in this time. And I think it's made,
0: that sense of partnership just a little bit easier in some ways did you think that in that because obviously in the pandemic everything kind of changed all our normal patterns I know from my end it was like I was used to having Rob on the road and he'd be here for three weeks and then he'd be gone for two or then he'd be home for two and like all that travel all that work kind of stopped and we were just together (laughs) and like by the way the first bit of it was like there was a cut there was a bit for me, I think for both of us, where we're like putting the danger and the fear and all the horrible things that were happening, where the family time was amazing because we were just together and it didn't feel like guilty to be together. It didn't feel like we were being lazy. It was like that's what had to happen. But then there was this kind of okay, now we've done that. Now what happens? Like, when do you leave? When do you go? Like, but you guys are always working all the time, but then your work would have completely shifted in the middle of the pandemic. How did you then kind of go with the kind of identity changing and in flux of your business? How did you then spend all those hours together? Like, did that create any pressure or was it just kind of more profound? We're in this together. We're pivoting together. Like, how did you, because like, I feel like couples all experience new, new dynamics in their relationship in the pandemic. Like, did you, did anything new emerge for you in the pandemic with your, work life kind of that relationship that identity
1: I think for us the biggest shift was definitely parenting because we had had to be honest not he, like a huge amount of time with our we just had one daughter at the beginning of the pandemic because I mean I'd had to go back when she was like four weeks old which was nightmare. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone so oh that's, that's horrible. horrible that's it was horrible and I took her with me a lot but you know it's, it's not the same and I was an absolute mess that certainly took me over the edge but, and I feel like the pandemic actually brought me back because she was about eight months old or so, seven, eight months when it started. So I actually feel like i got to kind of recoup and like readjust on my values. And I was like, God, what, what am I doing? doing? Yeah. What am I doing? And was able to do things really differently second time around. But I, um, but we, we had dinner together every single night with her at five o'clock and it was just like extraordinary. And obviously we've not been able to continue all of that since, but it definitely kind of imparted something in us that I don't, that I think we really needed to, to have a kind of reality check.
0: You needed your own little Ella kick.
1: Yeah. Like what matters. Um, And that was, that was really amazing.
0: Yeah. That's a, you know, I think that's, um, that was something for me too that happened was I think both Rob and I decided that, working less and being together more is actually and not working less like not accomplishing less things but just kind of choosing the things you do, being mindful with what you do, because realizing that the time that we have together is so incredibly precious. And like you, I think we can both run away with work and kind of play those future movies, kind of walk away from our present and kind of go, oh well then we do that and then we'll do that and then tick 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 tick. And before you know it, you've kind of spent through three years and you've missed that time and, and you kind of go, well, what was that for? I don't, you know, and I think there is, there is definitely something we've walked away with um, that there's a, that, that, that happy has its own price in terms of no one can, no one can, no one can take our way or happy. There's no job. There's no, there's no thing that we want to accomplish. That's worth taking away or happy. And we realized how being together as a family and spending more time made us so happy. So to be mindful of that going forward, I think, and I think probably a lot of people kind of working from home decided they didn't want to go to that office job. You know, like I think there has been a, an awakening in that sense. Um, but I also know that it's been a stressor on relationships, you know, all of a sudden you're at home. Like I didn't realize how many kids we had until we were with them all day long. <laughs> did you feel like, you're like, did you feel like that? Like, Whoa, like, because you gave you, so you gave birth in the pandemic. Yeah, so May,
1: who's our second daughter, was born in October 2020. So, yeah, in the kind of beginning of the second lockdown. So she was in lockdown the first six months of her life. Um which was kind of mad, Sky was almost two when we came out of the kind of full circle of lockdown. So I also kind of felt like I emerged with a secret baby because I <laughs> totally. was nine.
0: Well, I did. I did emerge with a secret baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I was nine <laughs> weeks pregnant when when lockdown started, so no one knew yeah. I was pregnant. Like you know, no one saw bump.
0: you pregnant. No, didn't have a
1: bump or anything. And then she was six months old when I came out of it. So you're kind of almost it. Well. I would say back to your normal self, yeah. like whatever
0: that means, but you know, you wouldn't necessarily know you'd had a baby. So yeah. I yeah. Had it, yeah. You did have an undercover baby. baby. We yeah. both, had you know, we both, I realized this, we both have kids roughly the same age. We have, nice. I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Yes. Okay. Uh, so very similar. So very similar, but yeah, it's like, I don't know if you felt like this, but my, you know, like with my older kids, I definitely was doing the music classes and the Gymboree classes and the like, let's play with our poo-poo and make it art classes, like all of that stuff. Um, and with my youngest two, because they were kind of like Coco was like one and Bo was born. They, they never had playdates. They never went to any of those classes. We were super scared and, um, and so they've kind of, they, they, they knew everyone with a mask on their face. They're not used to people without masks on their face. And I've kind of emerged with these children that I now have to kind of do all the normal stuff and they're not used. They don't have, they don't have friend groups. They don't have all the things that my older kid, my older kids did. And so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of emerging as a parent with these two young kids going, oh, how do I do this now? Because they're two years behind. How have you kind of made up for that time now that we're kind of a little more able to go out? Have your kids kind of had this, this experience now where they're seeing kids or going to birthday parties they never went to?
1: Yeah, tosi totally. And I feel like we've all had it as well. Like not even just them, like because, Sky, yes, yeah, Sky I was so little when it all started. I almost feel like I hadn't really experienced parenthood to some extent. No, like you went
0: into lockdown like a like like just a, like a newlywed kind yeah, of like a brand like, new mom. And like you were almost like almost like no parent. And yeah, then no church totally. with two kids. You totally come out with
1: two toddlers, basically.
0: I mean, that's and so crazy. now you're
1: like learning to take them out and around and like go on a train and go on a bus and which is so it's like such a weird thing to say. But they, they hadn't done any of these things. Totally. And yet May, who's the younger one, was like petrified uh, when of people for a few months because she would literally not known anybody, you know, it was just us in a house and we would go to the park every day. We live right by the park, but like, that was it. So yeah. she had seen people from her buggy, from her stroller and that was it. And Sky was, she's a bit more of an extrovert. And so she found it, I think a little bit easier, but then she started nursery shortly after that. And I mean, she was just like, devastated she loves it now that, but i mean that was so that was like that was the hardest few days of my life because you knew like that it was a good idea and yeah, she had to it she was only going a few hours you know but she was just devastated like screaming mama mama
0: clinging on uh, like,
1: that's miracles. like the
0: worst isn't it totally
1: the, and uh, you're sending her into this environment and she's basically never known anything outside of our four walls so it was a kind of yeah, it's a bit of a baptism of fire, I think, actually, for all of us. And actually, she ended up, I think, because she literally had no immune system because she hadn't even had one yeah. by the time she got to two. She was then like battered for the next six months. She had COVID, she had every flu, norovirus, and she ended up so yes. sick, having had so many sicknesses. We spent like a good few Ugh. nights in AE and in hospital with her. And yeah, that's something yeah. that would take you to your edge. Yeah, I was
0: about to say that would, that, And also, not only would that take you to her edge, but I bet she, I mean, your edge, but I bet her edge, like even though they can't express it, like obviously Coco and Bo can't really express their edge. You know, I definitely saw with Teddy and Charlie, they went from being in school and having friends to all of a sudden we're locked in our house and they have no friends and we have no playdates. And I saw their behavior change. You know, they got rattier with each other. The fighting increased. There was just like changes in their mood and their behavior. But like with Bo and Coco, it's almost like the same thing. It's almost like the opposite. It's like they only knew being at home and actually emerging from that has taken them more to the edge. And same with that, it's like Coco went to nursery school for the first time and it was like really emotional for her. And like her edge would be really confused about why all of a sudden she's with all these people and she can't be at home. Yeah. And she can't express that frustration. And same with Bo. Do you know? So it's interesting that you say that because I hadn't actually thought about that. It's like only in discussing this with you, I'm like, wow, like it's really traumatic for them. The yeah, little ones. I still wise.
1: noticed it with Sky. Like so often you say to her, you know, do you want to go to the pizza shop? What she, called, what she calls the place that sells pizza. And, uh, wait, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, the pizza shop. And shop. um, and she's no, I don't want to stay at home. And whenever she just like she asked to stay at home a lot.
0: Wow. Um, it's interesting that which is so interesting. she feels really safe. Yeah. Which is amazing. Cause like on a parent front, you're like, score my kid feels really safe at home. But then and the other thing is like, we don't know about what it would feel like to only know inside and then be yeah, forced exactly. outside. because like going outside is, is even scarier for me now. Do you feel like that? Did do you, do you feel like this kind of, I still haven't kind of wrapped my head around being in crowds of people. Like I, I went to a flea market like a couple of months ago, and there were a lot of people, and it totally freaked me out. It yeah, just... it
1: definitely took some time. I think to readjust. I think I now do love it. I feel a little bit like I was saying. Like I went into lockdown, having you know just being pregnant, been through that kind of and like and you know you might be postpartum for life, but that initial like you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that is a oh yeah, a big.
0: It's a big lot going
1: on. And, um, and I feel like I was, you feeling like I was kind of getting back to myself again. I then also was pregnant again, but I, you know, you're kind of (laughs) like re-emerging in your own life and, and being able to do things. Whereas those first few months with the newborn, like, you know, forget it. And, and suddenly we came back and then obviously went through pregnancy again and, and had another newborn. And, I've kind of felt like I've come back to myself, a new, totally new version of myself, but like you almost, you know, rediscover who you are outside of just being pregnant and being a mother and, and that, and I feel like I probably. That's a tough one too. Yeah. I lost sight of myself. I think a lot, those couple of years between not going anywhere and doing anything, seeing anyone. And I'm a massive introvert anyway. So that kind of probably played to quite a lot of that inside me as well. I quite liked the excuse not to do anything.
0: Right. But, but I, I really, my husband and I were the same, by the way, we were like, we don't have to go out. it's fine. Exactly. But then you realize like actually
1: getting up in the morning and like getting dressed, you know, probably getting dressed and, it's like, a good thing. Your hair makes you feel yeah. really good about yourself sometimes. And I think I feel I've actually really enjoyed the last few months. Like,
0: yeah. The it, ritual. Yeah. I feel being like being a part health- of the world, being a part of the world as opposed to retreating from it. Yeah. And like having challenge again,
1: you know, I think when yeah. you, you, know, you can keep the wheels turning, and there's different types of challenges. Obviously having two toddlers is like always a challenge, but I think when you realize like when you go into, you know, and you see colleagues face to face and you're doing new things at work or socializing with friends, like there's a constant little edge, a little yeah. challenge in there where you can kind of grow as a person. And I think I felt that that was entirely missing on a zoom screen because it's so safe. Like you're so comfortable. If you're lucky enough to be safe at home, then you're not having huge challenge and and you're not kind of going,
0: even if it's not all the way to your edge, but just close to it on a regular Like That kind of like emotional hustle you have to do with yourself. You have to like, it, it really is like, yeah. It's like, I always think that like, life kind of feels like, you know, those Bosu balls where you're just constantly trying to find stability. And I think that like, part of what happened of us being at home is like we took some of those instability like moments off where we kind of just hovered in one zone to just lock down and be safe and now we kind of have to refine and and it's interesting because I still feel like i'm i'm still crawling out of that zone where like i'm kind of still afraid to go out there in the world the way I used to like i i have missed some of my own hustle. I'm kind of trying to like awaken that sense still because I'm just still in a bit of safe zone. And I know just like you're talking about, it's important to kind of step out because then you, you kind of feel alive. You feel like a participant in the world. Yeah. it
1: is that little bit of daily growth. Like there's so much about coming back and like having that sense of safety and like introverted calm. That's amazing. And I feel like that resets us. And certainly for me, that like dulls the frenetic energy, but then I think on the flip side, you do need that sense of of growth and of of small daily challenges or trips towards the edge to help. Yeah. Give you a sense of, a bit more of kind of purpose and a, a, that and like confidence growth. Yeah, exactly. So I've actually been, and it took me a little bit, but I'm actually now really enjoying that.
0: See, I like that because I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm like, I was like, I'm looking at you and you're actually wearing clothes and I'm wearing sweatpants. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love getting dressed, even though I'm wearing what I slept in.
1: Um, but I said, I was like, oh, no, I love working from home. And I realized I'd loved working from home for quite a lot of the reasons that I it played to my introverted nature and like, but I'm actually now, I like, ended up being in the office every single day because I feel sense of a al- lot, like being alive and being excited yeah. and, and sometimes too, too stressed and too much. And, but I still feel like on the whole, I get more buzz for life than I do when I stay at
0: home. And it's just been an interesting learning. It's interesting. It's like, you've almost become more extroverted by being extra introverted. Yeah. I yeah, think If you I think about it, it's making me happy. Like it did in yeah. some ways. You went so deep bent. into your natural zone and realized that the joy wasn't to be found that far in.
1: Yeah. But I'm the kind of person that could move to like rural Scotland and just never come back and never re-emerge into society. Like I love a tiny life, but I realize I'm actually quite, it makes me quite happy to, to live a big okay. life
0: too. Yeah. It's so funny that you said that because I think Rob and I had that same thing and we kind of just just escaped to the mountains of Switzerland in the pandemic because we just were like, that was it. We just wanted to be safe, tucked away, hide in the world, and be in a small life. Just 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 exist with our kids and some like cows on the hills. Do you know what I mean? And and kind of just. Yeah, live in the mountains and 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 completely run away from everything. And I think actually now we're kind of like, well, whilst we love that, yeah, engaging in the world is kind of also really important. And we're kind of, I think he's actually, playing up, I think he's more introverted than I am. And he's he's emerged also more extroverted. So like I think he's more, he's more apt at it than I am now. Interesting. Is your husband, have you noticed, because he's not as introverted as you, right? No. And did he, what was his kind of like, like, is he more extroverted than he was before? Or did he kind of go the other way and become more introverted?
1: Yeah, I think in some ways he did go a little bit more introverted But equally, I feel like he's the kind of he really hated being at home all the time. Like he's the kind of yeah, he's got a lot of for a very calm person. He has equally has a lot of fire in him, and he's the kind of person that like I I feel the word ambition always sounds quite negative, and it's not ambition in terms of like money or status. It's just that he loves he loves doing things. He's the kind of person. He's a doer. He he just can't sit still. Like he's got seven thousand ideas every hour of the day (laughs) and he's such a kind of magnet in that sense and so I think he found it really stifling to be at home and really struggled with that and especially with work because it was just like keeping the wheels turning there was no sense of growth or excitement or challenge and I think that really I think he found that really really hard whereas he's the, the kind of person that loves
0: to be he thrives on being out there doing it attacking going exactly Like that energy. I can see how that would, like, did he get? I mean, obviously, we all had different kinds of, I would say, you know, depression, sadness, you know, just response. What did his depression or what did his, you know, you take that by and you kind of have to extinguish it a bit. How did his manifest? Like, did you notice? What did you notice about? I think he
1: was just quite like itchy, is the best word, Mm -hmm. you know, just like desperate for it to finish and desperate to move on with it and like found it, I guess, quite heavy. Um, but then he actually got COVID really, really badly,
0: um, and ended
1: up in hospital. Yeah. <gasps> oh, wow. Not, has he had any, yet.
0: has he had any long-term effects from it? Like, like, absolutely. Luckily not. And, wow. um,
1: interestingly for someone who like works literally 24, seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year, he actually took the advice and took about seven weeks completely off to recover, to try and kind of mitigate
0: that and it it did seem to really work wow that's I mean by the way it's incredible it's so interesting too when you hear because obviously he's young and he's healthy yeah that must have taken you over the edge but all of a sudden oh my god it was the that was up there with yeah
1: worst few days ever and also both my kids had it at the same time and they were fine but you know what it's like when babies are ill totally Um, I Bo had it Bo had it and it was just like you feel so helpless. Totally. And they were just up all night and uncomfy and like fevery. So they, you know, you already have like two ill children. And then he. And you're scared. Pardon? And you're scared. You don't know, know what this thing, like, thing is. You're also kind of wrecked. because yeah, it's you're like exhausted. A practical thing of the fact that you've not slept for like five days looking after yeah. everybody. And then you're trying to, yeah get two toddlers around the house and look after them. And then no one can help you. Cause he's so um, sick now. And because you're like, in, you know, you've like got the plague in the house. It felt like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But kind of. No, but exactly. So you can't like, you know, if normally the kids are sick, like you could, you know, ask someone for you help. you can't it's- ask anyone to help you because you can't. No, can't. Them. I was like, I'm not going to invite my mom into this. No. That's not going to help anything. Um, But yeah, anyway. And then, so then he was in hospital Ugh. and
0: it was just, yeah. Really, how did you? Yeah, how did you? Because, like, I'm like, I'm still going, a, 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 How did you do that? With
1: I honestly, I just like you, just sort of get I don't know, I think I just go into this like doing mode where you kind Auto-pilot, of pilot
0: like survival mode,
1: exactly, and then kind of come <laughs> out of it and just like completely crash.
0: Yeah. It's when you, when you can actually have a moment to fall apart that you fall apart because you can't fall exactly. apart in those moments. No, exactly. And I think you, you learn that quickly,
1: don't you? It's like, whether you want to fall apart or not, like you There's can't. No so fucking choice.
0: Helps. Exactly.
1: Um, But yeah, it was, it was absolutely terrifying. And again, just like a perspective moment, right. Of like what actually matters.
0: I mean, it's interesting too, because like, I think about I, I, not to, harp on your age, but I'm always just like so impressed by just impressed by you. full stop um, is like, I noticed that in my, ear. like, you shouldn't, I know I saw the oh thought God. you're like, I'm not, for, I saw the I thing. And by the way, I would do the exact same thing. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, but why? I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not all those things, but let's just, let's just take it as like uh we'll just accept for right now that you've, you do a lot of amazing things and it's, it's profound and it's great. But you, and you've done this in your twenties. And I know that like in my twenties, I mean, I wasn't doing, I mean, I was probably just like throwing up in a karaoke bar somewhere, but like, but like there was a real evolution for me as it kind of entered my thirties where I kind of found myself and grounded down into who I was. And it's like, and then now for me, it's like, I kind of experienced this pandemic at 40, which for me was like, you kind of got it at 30. And I kind of got it at 40 where I was like, I feel like I haven't even been in my forties yet because I've been in this weird you know, frozen time zone, but it's like, you've gone through this like whole evolution in your twenties, which is quite remarkable because I think I went through that in my thirties. What do you think now, like in your thirties, you know, you're just at the beginning of it going to your forties, considering what your decade was packed with, <laughs> which was a lot. What do you now with what's happened in that decade? What do you kind of want to pack in this and, and not want, cause we want to be present, but just like as you your takeaway with all of that, like going through it, because you've you've had this kind of cocoon emergence butterfly moment, but you're still so young. Like, what's the what's the cocoon emergence that you see or you kind of instinctually feel you want to kind of unpack in the next decade?
1: In many ways, I would love it to be the opposite of the decade that <laughs> I've just come from. I mean, really boring. Yeah, so boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, <it's> so boring. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it has been like. You know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's it's ten years this month that since I started Delicious Ella, ten years wow April, and ten years happy anniversary
0: ago. by the way. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, ten years ago today, I had no. I literally, I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. I had no ambition. I was so ill. I was so depressed. But even before I was ill, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I didn't have any clear direction. You know, there's four kids in my family, and it was always the joke that like Ella will never have a job. You know, like no one like I just <laughs> really, no, you were no, that kid. Yeah, I just had no. no sense. You were of just self. like, Meh. like, you know, everything was fine. Like it was a good university. Like everything, right. it, but it just didn't. I don't know. I didn't. Really there was have no connect, a a connection. Kind of all was what it was. It wasn't bad, but it, it wouldn't say it was really good either. I don't think I was particularly happy, and I went through kind of for hell and back and and i've been through variations of that over the last 10 years and extraordinary good moments as well kind of success in a way that i would never have imagined amazing opportunities learning development you know both personally and professionally like i never would have thought i'd have the skills and opportunities that i have today and i am so grateful but equally i also feel like it's been so fast
0: like so fast i mean you've been like warp speed
1: yeah, I've just, I, I grew up really, really quickly when I got sick. And, and then I've been working every day since I was 22. And, and not obviously, I know that sounds like such a privileged thing to say, but I mean, like, it's been, you know, starting a business, scaling a business is like, it's the most extraordinary opportunity, but it's also so intense. And I feel like I've not probably had time to breathe. And I'm realizing more and more just like how much I want that. I I want to go and have those karaoke moments. I'll help
0: you with those. (laughs) Thank you.
1: And I feel like, yeah, there's not, I wouldn't say missing because there's been so much great stuff, but equally, I feel ready for a slightly smoother ride and who knows if we'll get it because you, you know, you just don't know. And all you can do is equip yourself to have the skills if that's not the case, but I would love, I would love to slow down a little bit
0: and find a bit more space. How do you think, I mean, I love that, by the way. I love that as a goal. How do you think, because your world is so big and dynamic and you've built up this incredible business, how do you think you can not de-escalate, because I think the idea is to keep that going and find the space within, but how do you think, like, what do you think your first challenge will be in that to make that happen for yourself? Yeah, it's a, it's a
1: great question. I think it's. I guess there's two things. I think it's. There's always right the the kind of ego side of it, isn't it? They're like, you know, I can prove myself, and and I can prove what I can achieve, and I've achieved this, so I could achieve that, and you know, step, 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 step. totally. And then, but then it's like, but well, when does that end, right? Like, it doesn't. That's what the it, thing. It doesn't. It's impossible. Like, there's there's always a next, and I think it's kind of reconciling that with yourself, right? Like, what what's enough? And right. You know, because as you said, there's always a next, like always. And I think that's been a really kind of big reasoning for me of realizing that. But I think it's also realizing, like, when do you really need to go 100 miles an hour and when don't you? And there are moments that you do. And like, I'm actually in one of them right now just because of various different circumstances. And, but, And that's okay because I I actually like can reconcile
0: with myself. Like I really am, you know, You can recognize this as truth talking, not ego. Right. Exactly. Because they're hard because ego, ego composes truth. For sure. Like sometimes you push
1: yourself in a way that you don't necessarily need to. And sometimes you're like, okay, no, I'm currently, I'm literally doing five people's jobs. And so like, I really, I really (laughs) do do need to, you do. And that's just that. And that's okay. But then sometimes you don't. And I think it's realizing as well, like 10, you know, 10 years on now. I Delicious yellow was a pseudonym, right? Like it was, it was me when the brand started and when the company started. Like it, there wasn't really a delineation between person and company, but now, now there is. Like I am not Delicious Ella. Right, um, you're Ella. I'm totally, and I'm a totally <laughs> separate entity. And the, the the brand, the business, has evolved so far beyond me and it absolutely started and it continues to have that kind of guiding light of the founding principles of trying to change the way that people feel through the way they live their lives. But equally, like, it's not about me anymore. Like, it's a community of millions of people. Internally, it's a team of 50. You know, it's not me. And I think the more I can recognize that as well, the easier it's been for me to say, like, no, I don't need to make every decision anymore. Like that's not also in anyone's best interest. And I think as more I do that, the more the plan is to be able to therefore kind of not leave, but just be able to kind of breathe a bit more.
0: Hand over some of those responsibilities and that power. It's hard to trust that. I imagine when you've spent all this time building it from like a baby little seed to like let go of it. I mean, it must be kind of like, I can't imagine because I'm not there yet, but kind of sending your child off into the world, kind of like knowing that, you know, it's the same thing. You're not stepping away from them because you're still their parent, you know, but that moment when they're not living at your home anymore, you have to trust that all the things you've taught them, they're going to bring forward. They're going to make good decisions. themselves, but you can't, you know, like right now we can kind of micromanage our children.
1: You're not going to send them
0: to university with it like a baby monitor. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like I think Teddy would be pretty pissed off if I had a baby monitor with her or like security and GoPro. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't think she would think that was cool. So at some point I have to go, okay, I've spent my whole life trying to instill all the values and all the things that I think are important for a soul to exist happily in the universe. And now I have to see if that like kind of parent experiment worked and she's happy and she thrives, but I can't, you know, I can't stop her from doing certain things or making certain choices. Now I have to trust that she's going to do them. So I imagine, even though I've not been where you've been, it must feel kind of like that where you've, you've built this from a really dark space too, a real dark space. You're like that kind of, I feel like if I'm thinking about it, You and this business have grown alongside each other. For sure. It's like you grew up together. You're not the same person. And maybe you started out together as one, but you've both become you both sprouted and been on this journey together. But now there's a moment for your business to go one way and you to exist alongside of it, either in parallel or a different direction. But it doesn't mean that you're not, you're not responsible for it, but you get to have your own life alongside it. They both get to exist independently. Exactly. No. And I'm sure that's why I went back to work when my daughter was four
1: weeks old is you feel this like, got to do it, got to do it, got to keep swimming kind of mentality. And I think that, you know, in in lots of ways, lockdown was an absolute blessing because it gave me a moment to kind of check in with like what the last few years have been, which is just this extraordinary personal and professional whirlwind.
0: I mean, like. When I was reading, it's like, how old were you? Because I was, I, we haven't touched on it. And I want to touch on it because I know you're tight on time too. But it's like you buying your own business back is such a huge thing. And how did you, A, have the courage to do that, figure out how to do that? It must have taken so much. Like, yeah, I just want to know before. I know that's like a, a backtrack kind of, but it, it, for me, it goes in line with, you know, you've with with one of those, this must happen. I have to do this bit. Like what, because was that in the pandemic or pre, just pre-pandemic that you bought out your business? We had started the conversations
1: pre-pandemic and then we put them on hold at the beginning of the pandemic because it was that moment where it was like, what is going on? Right. And it didn't feel like <laughs> yeah. a sensible financial decision, What the fuck? Literally. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, yeah, no, we don't need that extra debt right <laughs> now. Um, so yeah, went on pause and then we picked it up um yeah a year later um and again i think it was realizing like whether we're the right people to be the shareholders forever who knows but i think at that point it felt very much like you know ensuring that i guess it's that thing isn't it of like taking control of what you should what feels like you need to control and you know, they they were coming up to their five-year anniversary and could have realistically sold it to anyone really. And that's just not, you know, what you wanted. No. And and we're guardians of the company. And if ever one day we're we're not, we would want it to be, you know, we'd want other people. Someone that you choose. Exactly. Because this is where
0: that thing is like it was you. Right. It's like you're handing off you, even though you guys have you've sprouted from you. And deliciously Ella isn't Ella. Deliciously Ella was born from Ella. Exactly. And you feel that extraordinary responsibility
1: over it. And so, yeah, it definitely felt like the right thing to do it was definitely up there with most terrifying thing we've ever done. I was
0: about to say, like,
1: yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, you um, put it on and in a pandemic still. Again, yeah. I'd like to point out.
1: Totally. I think in some ways we're nuts. Like, I, yeah, know, I think it's probably it's fucking crazy. It's
0: totally. probably I'm fucking with That mentality. I'm totally nuts. So I totally, like, I actually enjoy. How bonkers a thought that is! Yeah, I mean
1: it's insane, and it, I think especially in a world where like you could have walked into any private equity or venture capital and like
0: they would have thrown money, money at you. you
1: wanted in the world. So like yeah. deciding to take on a lot of debt and remortgage your house for it, it's not necessarily like it's a sensible decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it just it felt like, and I think it definitely was the the right thing to do, and I think it is. It's coming back to that thing is now trying to control what what you can
0: and then it was like did you but do you think also too there was going into it before the pandemic you've been discussing it but was there that moment because the pandemic kind of did bring out these things about what was important you know what was necessary what was unnecessary that in some way almost it happened because of the pandemic instead of just talking about it that there was the initial fear and then the realization that this was on that control factor, that what, what I can control. I will, this is, this is what I need. This is a go moment for something I need. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And it was literally just after we were doing the deal when my husband got COVID and was really ill. And so again, it was just a kind of, obviously not when he was really, really old, but then after that, it was just a kind of reflection moment, right. Of like, what, what do you want within your control your life to be? And, what direction do we want it to take? And how do we want to live our lives? The questions I think so many of us asked ourselves in the last couple of years. And I think that was a really big part of it. Like them selling, they only ever owned 17%, so not, not a huge amount, but but selling that on to people that were really without it. Not without the same,
0: like, yeah, without the same role. Yeah. Without the same spirit necessarily or the same. Yeah, exactly. Didn't feel right. I get it. I wouldn't want to give away part of my my little baby to some strangers that didn't necessarily even care in the same way that I did. Right. Exactly. And that was my next thing is like, cause we talked about what you would want for you in the next 10 years, like who Ella is and who Ella would like to be in 10 years in terms of less busy. <laughs> what would you want for deliciously Ella? Do you know what? I feel so it's such a funny
1: thing to say because I just I feel so proud of it. Like I really feel it's its own entity now. It's like, yes, you said it's like your child and it can grow up and live in the world. And I I think it just, you know, it genuinely everything about it was started to try and truly help people feel better, to help people feel connected, to help people feel like they weren't alone, in wanting to feel better, in changing their lifestyles, in turning towards a healthy life. And I just hope that it can continue to be that connection point. I think, you know, when I started it 10 years ago, this was a, which is such a strange thing to say, but like this space was so niche. It was. Health and wellness was not mainstream. You know, I think I'm sure kind of California felt really different, but like uh, London was, you know, in the UK, like we did not talk about this. There was so number of people that were so extraordinarily skeptical that what we eat could have any impact on our health was kind of extraordinary. In vastly intelligent person after vastly intelligent person was like, You're mad, this has no impact. It was you know, it was kind of mind blowing. And Do obviously really when, say it had no impact when you yeah, were coming I mean, out. There was a real skepticism wow. around the whole thing. And it's obviously, you know, we we know this isn't the case anymore and the world's changed dramatically in those 10 years. But I, I just I hope it continues I hope we can continue to be that kind of authentic place because I think there are so many fads, there are so many trends and Obviously, we've talked a lot today about kind of our mental well-being as well and and searching for happiness, which is something that probably every single person in the world can relate to within some degree. And I think that within that, there's just so much noise, right? There's so much to to try and cut through about what can genuinely make a meaningful difference in your life and what's a trend, what's a fad. And I hope that Delicious Yellow as a brand, as a company, can always play like an authentic and genuine role in providing tools that are truly useful as opposed to jumping on whatever the next thing is.
0: I mean, I think, I think that comes across in your brand. I have to say it feels authentic to me. And I, I, I think that's something you've been really successful at is keeping that voice, keeping that tenant really strong within the company, because I feel like since I've known about you, since your blog to now, when I see an energy ball in Starbucks, do you know what I mean? And in, in the, coffee store a glass of coffee. Uh, I feel that I do. I'm like, this is, this is a good ball. You know, this is made with love. This is made with good intent. I, 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 truly do feel that. So I think you should, I know you probably don't applaud yourself very much because a, you don't have time and B you won't think as highly of yourself as anyone else does, but, but like a real pat on the mom's shoulders, Ella's shoulders, deliciously Ella's shoulders on on achieving that, because I think you really have. Oh, thank you. I think, you. yeah, you should really be freaking proud of yourself, thank like you me. are. But I mean, I just wanted to tell you that, just because I've never gotten to tell you that. Oh, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that I got to sit with you and have this chat. I'm, I've enjoyed it. I think you're immensely interesting, dynamic, kind, and I'm super excited to see what you do and what deliciously ella does in this next 10 years and hopefully i'll get to sit down with you when you're like 40 and i'm like 50 <laughs> and we can we can trade some more war stories and and find out if we actually were successful in de-escalating the next de- decade exactly <laughs> we'll have like 12 more kids and it'll yeah. be chaos right no
1: just two two's good two. too
0: we're good we're good um okay well I really really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me I know you're super busy and I know you've got a kid asking for snacks right now um but I just have really enjoyed this chat oh no me too thank you so so much for your time I so appreciate it and I've got your app and I'm using it so and we were all talking about your magic sauce before this (laughs) thank you you're welcome. And I did wear perfume for you, even though you can't smell it. Oh, wow. It smells delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I'll imagine it. Yeah, just imagine it. It's fabulous. Exactly.
1: Postcards from the edge.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please, please subscribe. I mean, it's actually begging. Rate us, review us, all the five stars, all the bells and whistles, please, wherever you find your podcasts. Seriously, desperate, desperate for a good review. Also, if you want to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Williams. so please let us know what you think of the podcast. And even who you might like to have on as a guest. You never know, we might actually be able to make it happen. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Postcards from the Edge is a Blueprint Pods production. Executive producer Sophie Palick and producer Warren Borg.